Today, I'm sitting down with Brooke, who specializes in scaling high-ticket e-com stores. He personally was able to scale his own store from zero to $3.8 million in sales within the first year. Today, we'll be talking about the exact process that Brooke uses to start his high-ticket stores, the research that goes into high-ticket stores, as well as all the other high-leverage actions that you need when starting a high-ticket store. You wouldn't want to miss this one. I'm Nikita from aspectagency.com. Let's get into the video. What's going on, Brooke? How are you doing? Great, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. It's a pleasure to have you on and a pleasure to talk more about what you specifically do because I know we chit-chat here and there on Twitter and, and in our Slack group, but it's finally nice to sit down with you and actually talk e-com with someone that actually runs a huge e-com store as well as helps others. Happy to be here, man. Yeah, cool to hear about, excited uh, about your experience as well with the email side because that's admittedly something that I know absolutely nothing about. So <laughs> sure, I'll of take course. some value as well. Yes, sir. Um, well, just to start off with, I, I always like to ask a lot of my guests this question and it's mainly like, how did you get started in like the digital marketing space or the e-com space? Because everyone has like a, a unique story when it comes down to it. <laughs> yeah, so I was, um, I was in law school. So law school is three years long. Um, so after my second year, I worked at a law firm in the summer, like in the summer months. And when the summer term came to an end, I had like a, a six week gap between the term ending and school starting. So I had like law school debt. I wanted to make some money uh, to help start paying that off in my third year. So I was like experimenting around with the traditional drop shipping, like AliExpress or Barilo, like just had hilarious stores. Like, like I had like an LED lamp store, uh, a pet store, like the pet saddle things you can like put your dog in on the front of you, like just these hilarious items yep. um, with like three month shipping times and from coming from China. So I failed like 13 of those, I think it was. I was looking actually earlier today and then got introduced to the high ticket model um, and just made more sense to me intuitively uh, using like US suppliers, expensive items, you have to sell less stuff, obviously. I guess I got lucky early, put a lot of work in in my first semester of my third year law school. Like we were online still from COVID, so we didn't have any in-person classes. So it was pretty much that whole semester. I just went all out on a high ticket, dropped out second semester, and it's been history since. <laughs> that's amazing. I've never I've never heard of someone that's pretty much almost done with their schooling dropping out because I personally <laughs> dropped out first year of college. I was in, sure. I never got to like law school level. It was just like, uh, community college, you know, basic gen eds, studying to be an engineer. And then I'm like, you know what? Fuck this. <laughs> Why, why'd you drop out? Because I started a Shopify dropshipping store. Oh, um, there you go. There you go. Same reason as me. <laughs> exactly. Everyone seems to either come from Shopify dropshipping or was working marketing level in like a corporation and do, did it their own. So that's amazing. Yeah. High ticket. That's definitely one that most people don't really think about whenever someone's like, oh, I'm doing dropshipping or I'm uh, doing print on demand, they're usually like $50 at most per product, maybe even a hundred dollars if you like the values there, but high ticket, that's mainly what like products above a thousand dollars and up. Yeah. Like I wouldn't say there's like a hard line. Like it's kind of just high ticket would be, I think anything over a couple hundred bucks, me specifically, like I try and focus on over a thousand just because obviously like the clear reason is the more profit or the, the higher price of the item, assuming a consistent margin, the more profit you make per sale. I think a lot of people incorrectly think it's harder to sell a $5,000 item than a $500 item. It's pretty much the same once you get over a couple hundred. Um, so I try and focus on the higher priced ones 
but I wouldn't say there's like a hard cutoff for what would qualify as high ticket, just anything over a few hundred. And the other thing is logistically, like if you sell one $10,000 item or $250 items, it's both $10,000 in sales. But imagine like the logistical headache of shipping 200 orders, having 200 customers versus one $10,000 customer having to ship one order. It's just way easier, especially when you're starting out as a one, one man team. Yeah, that's the big thing that I noticed with, with high ticket. And it's like, if I were to start another e-com brand at some point in the future, it would be high ticket because it's so, it's so much less headache. And I don't know the extent of what you do as far as services go, but for me, like, I would rather have like maybe a dozen clients or so that are very high, yeah. um, like high retainer versus like a hundred that are like a thousand bucks per, because exactly. it's just like less headache, less operational drag, it's leaner. And there's a lot, you sleep better at night, basically. And, and you uh, can like, yeah, you can give those people like a better experience, right? Like, let's say like to go back to my analogy, like one $10,000 item or 250, imagine how much better experience you can give that one $10,000 customer versus 250 it and you don't have to give them a 200 times better experience like even if you give them a 10 times better experience it'll be they'll be ecstatic yeah so it's easy to get good reviews even yeah especially with customer service and you can have like one dedicated person you know let's say you get like one order every other day for that ten thousand dollar item that's still a boatload of money per month and at the same time you can just have like one dedicated person working together with the customer to like help them with like, whether it's the setup or whatever the, the product that you're selling, which is way more personalized than just giving them like a, a quick email blast of like, Hey, thank you for your purchase. This is actually like, it's kind of like the dealership model for, for example, like when I bought a, a Honda, like the dealership was just like slimy, whatever, trying to upsell you on every single cleaning <laughs> product. But when I went to a Mercedes dealership, it was like, completely far from that it was just like you okay cool you want to buy this car hey we have these options i'm like no thanks they're like oh no problem okay like what can we do to help make sure like this car is is good for you you know so that's like the higher up you get as far as pricing goes the better the experience usually is or at least that's what i've experienced i agree um, the other thing with that is the type of person you're dealing with like i found like when you're when you're selling a ten thousand dollar product to someone like a $10,000 sauna, like they're pretty much like, here's my credit card. Just let me know when it ships. Okay. Like in the $50 person's like, can we get it for like 45 99? What's yep. the warranty? Like what are the <laughs> refunds? You know what I mean? It's yep. just obviously like when you're buying a, a more expensive product, they do have higher expectations in terms of the quality they're getting, but usually just much better people to deal with overall. Yeah. 100%. Same thing on like the agency side. It's like, hundred dollar, what do you call it? Like if you pay them like $500, it's like make it or break it for this client. Or if it's like $5,000, like, okay, money sent over. Are we good? You know, yeah. type deal. And it's funny that you brought up saunas because I remember a few years ago when I just started um, diving more deeper into Facebook ads, I remember seeing a case study for like the sauna brand website was absolute shit, you know, very hard to navigate. The lowest cost item there was like $8,000 or like $5,000. And they would just get an order like once every other day or maybe like once a day. But they had like dedicated reps where like you only had to call in to like order it. So they had like great customer service to call in. But at the same time, they only had to sell like one unit a day at most or at least to, you know, have a great operation and like a million dollar business. Yeah, it's super 
it's super lean. Like that's the thing. Like if you make, if you're selling $8,000 saunas and you sell 10 a month or even $10,000 saunas, you only have to sell 10 and make six figures. And you could easily do that with you. You could probably even do it yourself. 10, 10 orders. <laughs> um, I think I was literally, it was me and one team member until we were over 300 grand a month. Wow. That's it. Yeah. And what were they mainly handling? Just like admin work? Yeah. So the girl who is now my my ops manager, essentially, of the day-to-day, she was actually like, she joined me before we had made a single sale. So at first I hired her to kind of do the product uploads on the back end, just a lot of the like time-consuming admin type stuff where I would like reach out to more suppliers and try and get more products. So she was doing like the back end work. And then I was doing, we were both doing chat. Like we'd have like two customers writing it at once. Like I'd be on the chat talking to one, she'd be on the other. Um, I would do phone and she would do phone. We were kind of just like pretty much tag teaming it for first few months. And then we started hiring and I could actually get some of my time back, which was nice, but it was, it was bootstrapped for sure. The first few. That's fantastic. So walk me through the process here. Like, let's say you, you, I'm guessing you're all consistently doing research for new products and new stores to create. Let's say you find a potential winning product. What's the process like from getting that idea or that product to like an actual store where you're selling? So, yeah, I don't think there's necessarily winning products. I think what you want to look for is winning suppliers. So to give you an example, if there is a um, hundred barbecue brands in the U S and let's say 95 of them are on hundred stores, you're going to have a hard time, like really selling those well, just because of the competition, but say there's like a new five on the market or like five brands who just started allowing the dropship model and they're only available in like five stores. If you can close those, that's where the competition occurs is on the supplier level. So you could have a super competitive space such as barbecues, but if you close a supplier that isn't available on any stores and you're one of the only ones for that brand, you can sell a ton of them, even in a competitive space. So that's why how I try and think of it is like, we don't really, we have our existing product categories. And what we're doing is we're just looking for new suppliers on the market that we can mm. add to our existing collections. So essentially you're becoming, let's say, for that supplier, you're not becoming like the 101st person to like, for them to distribute their product, you're becoming like the sixth or the 10th yeah. person to distribute that product. Yeah. And even if you get in early, so if you get in, if you're fifth, but then they add 95 after you, you usually can have staying power because you become the go-to brand for that store. Mm. And when you get in early, the more, at, the more money you spend on a brand on Google, Google will start giving you cheaper clicks than other people for the same terms, just because they see people going to your site and buying the stuff. So you get rewarded kind of, you become like the go-to store for that supplier. And then it becomes very hard to unseat you. So I've, I have a few like that. We're like ton of competition now, but I was the first one there. So we just have like, it's almost like real estate. Like we own the top of Google for these brands. And it's like really hard for anyone to move us off. That's interesting that you say that because I had a friend that was doing the exact same thing, not high ticket, but more so just doing drop shipping stores, like maybe pop one up every, every month or so. And a couple of years ago when like those purge masks were huge, yeah, um, yeah. like with the, the led glowing eyes and whatnot, he created the store like two months before Halloween and he made his store look like that's the official like mask from purge, not without any like trademark infringement or anything like that, but it looked like a legitimate source. Mm -hmm. And that's how we dressed it up. And he was able to dominate like Google search at the same time, all of the ads behind it, because people believed that that was the actual thing versus like all the other one, all the other knockoffs that came in like a month later. So yeah. essentially you're doing the same thing here where 
you're building up that authority because you were the first, like one of the first few to actually offer this product. And so many people already recognize this, you know, umbrella brand that you have set up with all the other similar products that they're like, okay, this is the go-to source for, you know, this grill, for example. Exactly. That's exactly what it's like. And then when like Google can see all the information, right? Like they can see how long the people are on your page. They can see how many orders you're getting. So if you like get in early and you're like 90% of the orders on Google for this particular product or particular brand, then your clicks will get cheaper and cheaper. So like I have on my, to give you an example, like on one of my top brands, I have my CPC, like we use Mac CPC. I have like the branded search terms in our low funnel shopping campaign set to like 80 bucks a click, mm. but they only cost us like two or three. So for mm. anyone to be put above us, they'd have to like <laughs> put their bid above $80. And usually if they put it to even like 10, I'll get like a couple clicks that are like eight, nine, and then they'll just get scared and like turn their ads off because they don't. That's they expensive. Yeah. So they just stop. So that's usually like what? we i've done and it's it's worked over time and over time we've seen the clicks actually get cheaper just because how much we spent and how many sales sales we made it's funny you mentioned that because i had the same experience when i was trying to bid for email marketing agency key terms just to see if i could like i had like free google ad credit for like 500 or a thousand bucks i'm like oh yeah let's let's fuck around and find out here so i set that up and immediately it was like $30 a click. And I'm like, oh shit. And I ran through my <laughs> budget. It off pretty quick, eh? <laughs> yeah. It took me about like five days before I shut it off. Cause I'm like this, everything was like, I was optimizing on a daily basis based off like what I know with Google ads and had like external help, but still it was just very difficult for me to get like any traction with that campaign, especially paying that much per day. It was like a hundred or $200 a day for that campaign. And I, I ran out within the first few hours of the day. Yeah. It's better. Like if, if, if people are in listening or in that situation, it's better to look for like longer tail keywords that are more niche. So like instead of email marketing, do like, I don't know, like e-com, you know, e-commerce e-marketing for fitness brand, and then try and rank for the like longer tail keywords. Those will mm. usually have much, much cheaper clicks. It's a good idea. I might have Even to revisit that. <laughs> yeah. Right. When I get my, another $500 Google ad credit, I'll try that out. <laughs> Just sign up for a new email. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So that's the next step in the process. Once you find those winning suppliers, you set up the website or add them to one of your other websites that you already have set up and then start like Google ads is like the main traffic source here. Mainly when you're starting, just because Google and Bing, if, if Bing has an older demographic, so if I was selling like wheelchairs or like mobility scooters that has like an older demographic, Bing would be a big part. Mm -hmm. um, we do make sales on Bing still because I think any, any Microsoft PC that someone buys, the default browser is Bing on desktop. Mm -hmm. So we, we use those two mainly because just because they're the only two that you can, that I know of that you can like specifically target low funnel keywords. So like other platforms like Facebook, TikTok, these ones, you're kind of just targeting an audience with certain interests and hoping that they buy where like Google and Bing, you can target people searching for what you're selling. So it's almost like you're selling to people whose mind is already made up. Like if you're buying the Napoleon 32 inch 665 grill. If you're searching that in Google, you probably already know you want that. So then we can target that term and just sell you what you're already looking for. So the ROAS is super high. Um, we do use other platforms for remarketing. So like Facebook, Pinterest, um, Snapchat, we, we like have our pixel installed and remarket to anyone who visits the pages that come in from Google or Bing. This is usually the strategy I use. That's 
interesting because the other guy that I just mentioned with the purge masks, that's his exact same strategy, obviously not for high ticket, but that's probably the best way to go about starting an e-com brand is going for search intent based keywords and search intent based uh, strategy instead of just hoping that the product goes viral on TikTok or Facebook. Yeah. And at this point, it's it's impossible. And that's one of the reasons why I got out of the Facebook ads game or the TikTok ads game is because it was just so difficult. And the amount of infrastructure you need to set up, you need a whole team in order to set that up, like with highly converting pages, creative, you need now creators to do all the Videos. UGCs. Yeah. Yeah. So everything is based off of Google for all those, I guess, solution aware or buyer aware or product aware people. So that way they go on your page. And if they don't check out, you you know, retarget them with email if they submit yep. their email or retarget them through Facebook, TikTok, and just follow them around until they buy. Yeah, that's pretty much the strategy. <clears throat> and um, it's probably possible to make it work with with Facebook. I've, I've honestly never run a TikTok ad, so I don't even know what it's like. But I think if you did like a super low budget and just like A-B tested spe uh, specific traits, like let's say you run a campaign and you test interests against each other, find what interests work for a product then test copy, find the copy that works with that interest, test creatives, find the creative interest, copy, demographic, like you could probably make it work over a long period of time. Like I'm not saying it's impossible, but Google, you can just day one target the low funnel buyer who's searching for your stuff. This is so much easier. Well, that's also the point of like having an e-com brand is you want to be as cash flow positive as quickly as possible. Yeah. You know, it's very hard to do that with Facebook. You know, you have to warm up the pixel. You have to warm up all of this information, have already so much data in the back end. And that's going to cost at least like 10 grand right out the gate, if not more than yeah. that on the ad side of things. And if you don't have that, and you know, if you have a shit product, it's, you're already um, fighting an uphill battle. Yeah. yeah. So I do agree with you there. Like Google is very undervalued for the most part in, in that sense. But I think, it also comes down to the specific product that you're searching for. Like it's very hard to run search for like, I guess, clothing items or niche specific, like, how do I say like general, but I know what you mean. Like if you're selling t-shirts, like there's literally like a million brands that sell t-shirts, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's hard. Like the key then would to be to build, I think, brand awareness somehow, Yeah. whether that's through a different type of campaign or influencers or whatever you, whatever it may be, and then just target your own branded terms. But again, that's, everyone's dream is to just have a bunch of people searching for their brand on Google. I guess the point I was trying to make was marketing less subjective brands because clothing or style or any, just like that general niche, like it's very subjective to what like the person's going to wear. And we had this when we were advertising for a clothing brand in the past where, you know, if you looked up earrings, like, you know, different women like different earrings. Yeah. Versus like a grill, like everyone knows what a grill is. They know what the problem is. They know how the grill solves for that problem. It just needs to work and do the things that you say you do or say it does or a sauna or a mobility scooter. Like people already know the solution that that product solves versus like clothing. It's like, oh, okay. It's like, it looks cool or like that's in style, but maybe not my style. So I don't think I'll buy it. That sort of thing. Makes sense. Yeah. There are different types of saunas and stuff. Like like a $1,000 traditional sauna and a $10,000 infrared sauna. Like it's two different people who want those, but I definitely see your point. I think like, I think the key then with that type of stuff would be to do like long tail descriptive, like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. loop earrings for whatever, like longer tail keywords that are more, give more info. Exactly. Yeah. So I'd say 
It's very interesting. I I definitely like the the whole high ticket e-com like niche because it's very untapped. What do you do next after that? You just scale up the budgets on Google and add in more keywords? Yeah, that's essentially all you have to do, man. It's like the key in high ticket is is finding quality suppliers. So to give you an example, like I would say if you reach that to 100, 20 to 30 might be 20 might be good. And then there might be five who are excellent. And the excellent ones are where you make all the money. So even in my store now, I have like 55, 60 closed. And I think it's like 80, 20, the top four or five make all of our sales. So it's mm -hmm. really about finding those key suppliers that are going to drive your sales and then just running more ads to them and just finding more suppliers, running more ads. Obviously, you want to do other things like build a, a customer service team in the background, optimize your website, build up an email list do that sort of thing. The gist is you just want to have more high quality products and run more ads to them. Because the benefit of high ticket e-com is in traditional e-com, you have to pay so much money for inventory upfront. You have to get the warehouse stuff. We're high ticket. Like I have access to hundreds of millions of dollars of inventory without paying for it. So mm. I can just like, I don't have to pay for it until I've already sold the product and I have access to it anyway, which is super unique benefit of it. So with that, I had a, actually had a question come up do you whitelist the products under your brand name or is it just a straight for example like weber grill in this in, in this example you're selling an, a, a weber grill grill on your website do you market it as like brooks grills or do you market it as a weber grill weber grill so that's mm -hmm. like how i would describe it is imagine home depot for but online so when you go to home depot like you're not buying home depot products you're buying weber grill you're buying weber grill or uh, yard street gazebo you're buying like other brands products at home depot home depot is just the marketplace it's the mm -hmm. same thing just online not to say that we're we don't want to eventually have our own brand we're definitely open to it but um when you're starting like you can leverage existing brands names who people are already familiar with already searching for and you can leverage those existing brands to build up your own brand so th that makes a lot of sense because they already have a lot of clout that comes with that name a lot of like brand recognition so it's kind of like a used car dealership selling hondas toyotas etc because you already know what that car is you're, you're just getting it from a different place um in that case scenario what are like some big like high leverage things that you learned along the last two years of just figuring it out and and scaling your e-com stores yeah i think like it's very important to be on top of your numbers so to give you an example if you spend $10 on ads and you make $100 in sales at 25% margin, you'll have 25 bucks minus your 10 in ads, you'll have $15 profit. If you want to just, if you just spend the same $10 on ads, you're just gonna make $100 of sales again. So you have to take 10 of your 15, so now you have five profit, take that 10, add it with the other 10, spend 20, then make 200 in sales. Do you know what I mean? So it's really, you have to really be on top of your cash flow and on top of your margins. And if you want to scale, you have to like take some of the profit you're making and put that back into ads to grow. So it's like everyone always talks about like reinvesting into your business. That's kind of like the high ticket drop shipping version of it. You're not going to like hire a $150,000 employee or, or some crazy software or anything like that. Like you're reinvesting your profits back into more ads to help grow, help build your email list. And that's kind of how you get staying power is in like one year, two years, you have like a 15,000 person engaged email list, you have strong SEO, and you can actually start to wean yourself off of traffic, paid traffic. That's when you're in kind of like a really, really good spot, but it is hard to get there. Mm -hmm. So it just takes, obviously, as you scale up, you always have to reinvest in the ad spend. I know that from my past in, in running dropshipping stores, of course, 
but like when do you know that you've hit the the i guess the glass ceiling when it comes to it with your stores like you know you keep scaling up but like the the roas is just not the same yeah so i actually have one store so i just add more products to my store i don't have a bunch of stores so we just would add more brands usually like we always want to be above 10x roas is the goal which seems high, but it's it's really not when you're selling such expensive stuff. For example, on on saunas, I can spend 333 clicks at three dollars to make one sale for a thousand bucks and still be at like ten ROAS with the price. So yeah. it's really not that unreasonable. Um, I think you just keep an eye on it, and you can on Google you can see something called like absolute top impression share. Mm-hmm. So it's it's like a metric that says out of every time your ad shows, how often are you the very top one? And if you see that number at like 98 or 95, then like you obviously increasing your spend at that low funnel isn't going to get you more traffic because you're already there as much as much as you can be. Mm. That's kind of what I use. Got it. So usually when you're already already at the top and you're spending as much as you can and Google just can't spend as much, that's when you know you've hit the limit. And that's when you add in more products to, I guess, diversify your store portfolio. Yeah. Like you could continue scaling at, like when I say it's at 95 plus percent, that's usually like the super low funnel branding keywords, like specific product names or branded uh, search terms with a product name. You can always scale your high funnel campaign like sauna or, or grill, but you will see decreasing ROAs as you scale those campaigns. So usually like I have 70, 80% of my budget in ad spend is spent on these like low funnel branded terms with just like a little bit in the high funnel to like get people on the website and remarket to them. But most of our budget is spent on like that low funnel stuff to really keep the robots high. Yeah, of course, there's no other way to do it. So, so if you were to summarize it into three high leverage actions that let's say someone that's done this before, but wants to try it out on the high ticket side, um, what would you recommend or like what would those actions be so do market and supplier research set up a website and close as many suppliers as possible and run low funnel ads to those suppliers like if you do those three things you'll be in a good spot yeah reach that million dollar status like you are awesome brooke well really appreciate you coming on and uh, sharing your knowledge and insight on the high ticket side where can people find you yeah so i'm on twitter it's at ecom with brooke b-r-o-o-k um, same with Instagram and TikTok, and my YouTube is just Brooke Hitting Invicta Digital. But thanks a lot for having me, man. It's been a it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Yeah, man. Likewise. Thanks. Thanks again for watching. And if you're brand new to the channel, be sure to subscribe so that you're caught up on all, all the latest email and marketing training. If you like the video, hit the like button and drop a comment on what your favorite part of the video was. And if you're a D2C or an e-commerce brand with an email list of at least 10,000 subscribers, make sure to click the link below the video and book a call with me and my team. We work with all kinds of e-com and D2C brands and help them scale their email revenue by at least 30% month over month. So click the link below, we'll hop on a call, look over your account, compile a strategy, and create a plan of action on how to raise your email revenue. After the call, you'll have the option to use the strategy yourself with your own team, or you can choose to work with us, all up to you. It's completely free, no obligation, so click the link below, book in the call, and if you have a list size smaller than 10,000, keep watching the videos and you'll get a lot of value and learn how to increase your list size, as well as generate more revenue from email for your store. With that being said, I'll see you guys in the next video.